Hey, 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 this is NFL Hall of Famer Ray Lewis. I'm excited to announce the launch of my new podcast, Everyday Greatness, the Ray Lewis Podcast. I'll be talking with friends, family members, old teammates, athletes, celebrities, moguls, and guess what? I'll be talking to you. Listen, this is all in the search for everyday greatness. So I'm asking you to come along with me on this ride. Download new episodes of Everyday Greatness, the Ray Lewis podcast, every Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on podcastone.com. It's not what you have. It's what's inside of you that actually inspires greatness. here it's gonna be fun everyone's remote uh we got a guy in germany it's like 1 a.m over there hanging tough uh someone's playing music that's also exciting who is that which one of you is playing is that evan no one of you guys is playing music but anyways um let's go ahead and uh and get started with this so um we're gonna redraft the nfl oh i figured out what it is it's the uh it's the YouTube uh, stream was giving me a commercial. There we go. That's All a, right, that's a rookie mistake. You gotta you gotta mute that. George. Look, I shared the whole Google sheet for the draft with everyone. So George, that was a George. Great do great do song. you have like the, the Zoom filter on, making you look all gauzy and and pretty? <laughs> no, I'm just sunburned. <laughs> that that's what that is. It's been hot, man. So. Um, hey, let's do this. As we're as people are coming in, I am really curious what your guys' preparation for this was. We're going to do four rounds. We're going to redraft the NFL. The uh, every every player is on the table. Contracts are not a factor. We can only take one quarterback. Um, how did you guys prepare for this, Josh? Why don't you start us off? Uh, I did about ten minutes of research. Um, I read an article on uh, the PFF written by a, a couple guys named Timo and, and Kevin about quarterbacks, and, uh, and then I went and saw my doctor. So that, that, that's about the extent of my entire preparatory um, time, and, uh, and I think you all are going down. That's really the, the, the large and small of it. Evan, what did you do? Did you build a whole ranking? I did a lot. I started last night. Um, I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of you really, really smart people. Um, and I spent probably four or five hours on it today uh, building like a, a top 150 players because we're going to end up drafting 128 total because it is, you know, we're drafting for 32 NFL teams uh, and it's four rounds, um, two of which I think we're going to broadcast. So I wanted to put some time into it. Um, I knew Herms would do almost nothing uh, in terms of preparation. <laughs> oh, man. Eric, what'd you do? I, I I did a little bit of what Josh did, which was look at the QB, the Beijing QB rankings. Um, and and then aside from that, I, I took some of our war metrics from the past, you know, three, four seasons uh, and did a little bit of work to try to see 
uh, you know, projecting them forward a little bit. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle of the interval that is Josh and Evan's uh, preparation, but that's where I'm at. Kev, what about you? You kind of look like you're in a cave, by the way. Are you in a cave? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm in, confirm? like I said, this, this is the, uh, the old wooden house my great-great-grandpappy um, built. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the research right now as we're speaking. So how long are we into this? <laughs> That'll tell you how much research I've, I've done. That's, I mean, you wrote uh, a pretty good article on quarterback, so that should take you through, like, pick 20, 25. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Timo really did all of that, but, um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm reading it for the first time right now. Timo, you're wearing the, a, a shirt, and I was expecting a Jameis jersey. Oh, uh, no, not, not today. <laughs> really? Okay. All right. Well, I'm anticipating a hot, hot battle for uh, – for Jameis Winston. Um, let's get started. So if you are following along, there is a link to the Google sheet um, that we're going to be drafting in. Hopefully I've made it so that no one nefarious can go in and actually edit a pick. Um, and uh, we're going to be rotating through. I'm on the clock. I have uh, picking for the Bengals. Um, and I'm not going to take Drew Locke despite the, the current upward trend. I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Mahomes, and I don't think it's uh, particularly close, although Key and Fahey might disagree, which is kind of hilarious. Uh, so Mahomes is a bangle. Not bad. The, the first Key and Fahey uh, mention in, under, what was it, 9.5 minutes caches. So way to go. Yeah, that, that, was, a, that was a lock, though. That was a lock. I mean, we're going to be talking about quarterbacks for the next hour or so. There's no chance he didn't come up. So that so so it's to me now, I guess, and and the the question becomes for my mind um, because you know you're looking at the players available. There's a lot of older quarterbacks who are quite good, um, or at least have been good. Um, but to me, it comes down to two players. It comes down to Lamar and Russell, both in systems that are going to ask them to support a running game. Um, Russell, you know, he needs the running game, so uh, so that's kind of the, the tiebreaker Checks for out. me. Yeah, you know, I mean, he can't he can't survive without uh, a good running running game, and so I think that you know that's definitely to his detriment. Whereas Lamar is his own running game, and so uh, that's why he becomes the second overall pick in this amazing draft of ours. Wow, Josh, you made my decision a lot easier because I was ready at three picking <laughs> for the Detroit Lions. I'm thinking, okay, Wilson, Mahomes come off the board, and I'm like. Do do I have to make this tough decision between like Breeze, Rogers, Ryan, and I was going to go with Lamar at three, uh, which uh, we're on the similar wavelength. Um, but I don't have to make that decision anymore because I'm going to go with Russell Wilson now that that he's landed in my lap. Nice, wow! Uh, all, all, I had all those guys in my top four. My the the uh, fourth member of my top four is Deshaun Watson, uh, who another good one has really overcome a lot of factors working against him uh, in Houston, the really bad offensive line play. I think he contributes plenty on his own to his high sack totals, but I think that we could all agree that the offensive line play, at least until the sort of the stretch run of last season has been really, really, really problematic in Houston. So he's overcome that and he's overcome bad coaching um, and poor roster building in Houston. I mean, at at his core, I think that Bill O'Brien is a run, run pass coach. Uh, this past year, they had uh, the Texans through on first and 10 at the eighth highest rate in the NFL, and he's been even higher uh, before that. Um, and I think that Deshaun Watson has been able to overcome a lot of adversity. He's been a, a winning quarterback consistently going back to 
college. He's had real, he's been a really high pedigree player uh, when he was coming out of high school on to becoming, you know, a, a, what was he, the, the number 12 overall pick uh, in the NFL draft. And I think that he is a player that has shown the ability to elevate his team and he's only 25 years old. And, you know, that's something that um, I feel like I can bank on when we're, when we're in this little five-year window that I think he's one of the best four options to start my team with. Uh, and he goes to the Giants. Yeah, what a, what a pick for the Giants. Man, they've been struggling. They get Deshaun Watson. That's kind of awesome. How, how can you pass on Chase Young here? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, um, uh, because he doesn't play quarterback. I, right. <laughs> Timo's uh, uh, is a, uh, a huge quarterback guy, right? So he's just messing with me, right? Timo's, uh, <laughs> you know, his uh, sense of humor is a little uh, is is a little dry, but you'll get used to it. Okay, I think we'll we'll probably clash a little bit until then, but hopefully, I understand it at some point. Who's up now? Uh, I think it's uh, Mr. Cole. Kevin. All right, it's me here. Um, I mean, I'm gonna say, one. I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say, not just because I'm doing it. I'm gonna say this is the most difficult early pick here. I think if you ask most people, the default would be what we saw one through four, um, perhaps not in that exact order, although likely in that exact order. So here I'm thinking about a couple of different things. I mean, I guess you could go a couple of different ways. Um, youth versus guys who are a bit older, um, better quarterbacks may be available. who are a bit older. If you want to go younger, you have uh, Dak Prescott is available. If you are uh, Carson Wentz, who's not as young, but is available. And then, Kyler Murray is probably the other guy where people would entertain taking him at this point. Um, so anyway, that's a long roundabout way of saying that I'm going to go ahead and go super young, uh, go with Kyler Murray. And then if he busts, uh, I'm just going to turn this into a tanking franchise. Wow, my man. Man, that is, that is shocking. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. I mean, look, he went after Drew Locke in the in the four letter networks uh, draft a couple you know days ago, and I now mean, he's he's fifth in ours. Holy buckets! Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, Matt Ryan, all on the board. I mean, there's no one you're really in love with. I mean, I don't. I can't see anyone making a super strong argument for those for those other guys. I mean, you can definitely lean towards one of them. So I'm just going upside here. Kind of like it. all right. Okay. Now, James, it's time for Jameis now. <laughs> yeah. Now, so yeah. So basically, I was planning that Kevin uh, does the decision for me whether I will take Matt Ryan or Dak Prescott. But now I have to choose between them. But uh, I think I'll go with the oldie right here. I'm taking Matt Ryan, who, who might be underrated right now because he didn't have a good season last year. But um, yeah, I expect him to to have like we. We have four more good years. So I go with Ryan Chase Ryan. Young was not a consideration for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sarcasm is eventually going to come out. It's, it's a criteria for anyone that, uh, that works at PFF. The sarcasm has to be like almost unbearable. Um, all right. By the way, uh, the technical difficulty is slowly getting worked out. But Josh, you should have edit access now. And uh, let me yeah. know if you, if you don't. Um, yeah. All right. So the first 
the first six picks, Mahomes, Jackson, Wilson, Watson, Murray, Matt Ryan. Uh, I'm up with the Panthers at seven. Now, Derek Brown's still on the board. Um, I just mild, don't. Mild upset. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just don't think I can go that way. So I, I have um, two guys ahead of Matt Ryan. I have Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott both ahead of him based on, on age. I have, I'm also considering Baker Mayfield here. Um, this is really, really tough for me. I am going to go with, oh man. So I, I think Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott are equally kind of uh, yoked in terms of what I think they can be as an NFL player from a production standpoint. I'm a little more confident that Dak Prescott is the guy that I want to be the face of my franchise. So I'm going to go with Dak Prescott. Uh, at seven to the Panthers, but it's really tough for me. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a big swing here, and uh, just on pure upside and hope, I'm going to dive right back down into this year's 1.01, and I'm going to oh, give wow. to the Cardinals, Joe Burrow. I think, I mean, obviously, you know, at least in the PFF era and the era which I – uh, I've used statistics to, to study quarterbacks. There's been no one to even touch Joe Burrow's senior season. I think, or excuse me, his last season. And I, I think that, uh, you know, LSU obviously had a lot of playmakers. They had a lot of surrounding talent and he was garbage for the rest of his career for the most part. But just on that hope, um, I think here when you're getting into the middle of the pack of quarterbacks um, that probably aren't going to take you to the promised land, that even a 15% shot at that type of outcome is worth the risk here um, at the eighth pick for the Cardinals. And I, I like, I mean, look, I like he played a, lot, a yeah. really like the toughest schedule in college football last year. And he was the best player in college football. That's a, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't hate it at all. If we've seen anything, it's that uh, age matters. <laughs> Okay, if you guys think – if you think Kyler Murray was available, let's say, in the same draft as Joe Burrow, who do you think would have gone number one? Do you think Burrow, Burrow still goes number Burrow. one? I mean, because yeah. Murray had a couple strikes against him that – Murray played in the Big 12, and he was short. Or still is short, but like – Burrow had small hands, so he can't even – That's true. That's right. Burrow's I mean, uh, 32 years old also, so I forget that. Burrow's – like – uh josh's point is is really good that like we have just never seen baker and kyler both seemingly dominated college football and burrow took it to the next level against much tougher competition he was like significantly better than both those guys what about the possibility of kyler murray going back to baseball yeah, but do you think do you think that's so low, so much lower now? That, we got to rehash that. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, baseball's base the the the, the economics of baseball Lamar, can't be all that. You have to think about all the potential the range of potential outcomes, right? So yeah. it's only one percent that he goes back to baseball, but that's one percent more than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, I mean, I mean, if he goes back to baseball, then he's failed in the NFL anyway, right? Yeah, and you drafted a failure in the top five. Yeah, but the, but well, yeah, but his his but, failure, whether he fails or not, is not dependent upon whether he goes to baseball. So whether I mean, unless he, goes he to just baseball goes back, you know, there's does. like there's almost no attractiveness to a baseball career once you've already signed a one one deal in the NFL, though, right? I mean, yeah, baseball yeah. is in right. shambles. I mean, if he well, wasn't I, a I first round know, pick, I mean, 
then I think what, it do, you, what do you guys think about like factoring those little small factors, you know, into or like you know what what, what is our idea of like leadership from a yeah. particular quarterback? Like, are you guys factoring that kind of stuff in? I, so I got to be honest with you, I, I certainly did um, when it was a close, when it was a tie. So like to me, Wentz and Prescott, I, you know, it, they obviously have their their strengths there, but to me, it was basically a tie. And so I went in and I go, okay, what's going to break this tie? It's going to be the guy that I have more faith in as a person. And it happened to be Dak. Which is, which, which segues nicely into my pick here, which we're going to go with a little bit of intangibles here where Rogers a little bit pissed off at his coach, a little bit pissed off at his organization, a little bit pissed off at our friend at Ben Baldwin. Angry Um, Aaron theory, angry Aaron. Really? Angry Aaron is going to go, which seemed un, you know, infeasible just like a few years ago. He's going to go ninth here wow. uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow, so he's like, fit, he's fifth on Timo and Kevin's article. Round, right? I mean, I if, if you if you want to keep Aaron angry, you're going to have to take Jordan Love uh, with, with one of these next few rounds. Okay. Well, Gardner <laughs> Minshew's presence, you know, with the Jaguars is more than enough because. I mean, you're already coming to a situation you're where you're the beta. You're going to have to draft Gardner Minshew then. Well, I'm going to take him in round – but Gar, if you come into Jacksonville, you're you're replacing Minshew. You're a, you're already behind the eight ball masculinity-wise. So you're going to have to, like, live Jesus. up to, uh, you know, the 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 the, uh, the countenance that is uh, Gardner Minshew. And I think Rodgers will, will, you know, reach up and, and do that. Do you and know, think- Eric, do you know how old Aaron Rodgers is right now? Yeah, he's not that young, but he's also not like he's he's younger. I mean, he's what 36, 37? He's 30. He's going to turn 37 during the season, yeah. Yeah, so so he's younger than I mean, as an alternative to Breeze and Brady, Roethlisberger, Rivers, I mean, he's still younger. And True. Like according, I mean, with you guys's, you know, you guys's article, I mean, we always I think over like there's reasons probably why we like him more than maybe other people, but like he has, it's not like he's like, it's not like he's Drew Locke out there or, you know, he, like Josh Allen, no offense, Evan, but like, there's no, there, he, he's like been a, you know, he, he's, he hasn't been as good of late, but he's still good. I thought you were setting up another segue for Evan's next pick there. No, I'm just going to, at number 10 overall, I'm going to take Carson Wentz. Um, still can't believe that, you know, the Browns passed on, on Carson Wentz uh, back in the day. Got to rank that error. Um, and we're going to take Carson Wentz here at number 10 overall when I think that he could have been justifiable as early as number five overall. The problem is the back issue. I don't really care about the knee. I don't really care about, you know, some of the, you know, the, the, the fractured wrist that he had. Um, in, in college, he had some, he's had some shoulder problems but uh, in the pros, but the back, I think, is terrifying and justifiably pushes him down the board a little bit. But, you know, in 2017, he played at a legitimate MVP level. In 2019, he showed the ability to put a team that was really deficient in the pass catcher core on his back. Um, he's, you know, when he's healthy, he's one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the league, and he's one of the most aggressive passers in the league. Um, and I like his playing mentality and, um, you know, hopefully he can stay healthy here in his ages 27 through 32 seasons. See, I'm not worried about his fractured wrist so much as his fractured relationship with his receiving core. Like 
who is he going to throw it to? They're just going to like bat the ball down on the field and flip. We're going to draft him a new receiver core here. Um, and you know, Jalen Rager hate is strong there. Uh, Wentz is interesting because the like the injury risk is real, and there are all these burblings of lack of leadership within an organization that I generally think of as having a really strong, you know, owner GM and, and, you know, like structure there. And so I'm not sure if that's Wentz, is that Doug Peterson? Um, I don't know. That was one of the things that I considered for sure. All right. I'm just going to jump on here. This is another, I feel like this is also like I somehow I'm drafting um, at the, at the beginning of the next tier down here a couple of times. Cause I don't know who you take here with these guys is you're either going old again um, with one of these guys, or you're going to go young. So I'm going to, I'm going to go back to younger. I'm going to go back to a little more upside. I'm going to go back, back to someone who had one of the best rookie seasons that we've seen in a long time. And then in a, a valley of dysfunction last season uh, did not perform well and is now seen as someone who may be, may be playing for his job in a year or two um, oh, God. and his ability to continue on as uh, and get a second contract. But I, I still believe in him. So I'm going to go with Baker Mayfield here. I thought you were going Mayfield like for the first 90% of your description. And then you said battling for his job. And I was like, is there someone I'm not aware of? I mean, the Browns, though, they have an ejector seat after a guy starts for two and a half years, so he's not wrong. You I don't know, think Case Keenan is that bad Name a quarterback that started, like, 40 games for the Browns since, yeah. they, since they restarted. Tim Couch? Kelly Holcomb? Like, Did, was anyone like me and had Baker Mayfield ahead of Kyler Murray on their rankings? No. Uh, slightly. I have higher, yeah. Yeah, slightly. Hmm. Yeah, I had I have Baker a little higher than. Uh, I mean, Kyler, Murray, but it's so Murray, it's so close. It's almost like a distinction without a difference. So. Yeah, Murray's rookie season was not as good as Mayfield's. No, not even close. And and but then Mayfield's second season was was bad, <laughs> although not as bad as people think. I, I... Yeah, I don't know. I chalk a lot of that up to like the complete disaster that that was going on there. Like, I find it hard for a guy in his second year to overcome like diva wide receiver and head coach that literally was, has no idea what he's doing to me. That's I'm giving him a complete pass there. I don't know. I, I, I had Mayfield. I had Mayfield ahead of Aaron Rodgers. Hey, look, I follow Betts' Twitter account. I see what he posts on there. <laughs> Baker did look lost. And, and there is some, I believe you guys are the ones that posted some of these, uh, some of this data, but like from a clean pocket, he was kind of garbage last Bad, year. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, how much are we chalking up to the system and their inability to install it properly and for him to comprehend it? I mean, this is one of the smarter quarterbacks we've had come out of college. And really, he's a guy who can just step into a system and kind of embody it. I don't know why it would have fallen off. The wheels would fall off so spectacularly um, when you have those kind of traits. He's got a good arm. So something going on in, in between the ears. And um, uh, I don't know. I, hopefully that gets fixed quickly. Because that's a thing that I thought he had in spades. Uh, to me, like, he just scrambled out of clean pockets so often. Yes. I mean, he would just, like, he would just jet, you know. Like, he was sensing pressure yeah. wasn't there. And his I, – I, what causes that? You know, does he, does he not trust his offensive line? A lot of people said that he did that a lot at Oklahoma, that he would scramble, especially to his right. Like, he would just veer to his right, you know. And Yeah. 
I don't know. It's, it turned into a, such a bad habit last year. You know, I, I mean, that, he, he did it a lot as a rookie too. He was just he was just very successful throwing uh, um, when he was getting out of the pocket. Not I, so I mean, much. We, we that, see that, this at times with you know during the end of and granted, like this might not be the best thing for Mayfield, but we saw this at the end of the Rodgers era with McCarthy, where he like literally would hit his back foot and then just like drift because he didn't trust his first read because he didn't trust the offense. I wonder how much having Stefanski come in um, and, you know, add a, what, what appears to be a little bit of stability, the situation will do for him. My, my thought there and, and uh, Ken Zampezi came in, I think Eric, like we were hanging out with him, right. Was it last year? Mm-hmm. And we were watching yeah. some, some Mayfield stuff. We were grinding the tape. Um, and he made this comment that was like, he, he will scramble, but, or, or move off the spot, but he's always doing it to throw. And to me, you can do that if you have confidence in your system and your receivers and all that. And it seemed like that just was out the door. Like there was no, he and, and Odell weren't on different pages. They were reading like different magazines. Right. So, um, I don't know that that was something that I feel like if it's taken away from you and it's so used to, you're so used to it being your like B move, you're, you're in real trouble. But anyways, that, that was the Baker Mayfield portion. Let's, let's move on to the Jameis pick. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah. So the next guy on my list would actually be Drew Brees, but uh, wow. I, I already he sold you on the pyramid scheme. <laughs> I, do they have pyramid schemes in Germany, Timo? <laughs> do they sell like do they sell spread. like wraps and stuff? Like... No, but I, I gotta spread the risk around, so I don't go with with an old guy here. I also, yeah, I can't go with a really young guy here because they are all gone. So um, yeah, I go right into the middle and I take the quarterback who was tied first and average depth of target last year, and it's not Jameis Winston; it's Matthew Stafford. I really like that pick. He had a tremendous first half of the season. Like he was, he was one of the better quarterbacks. He was like putting it all together. He wasn't just dink and dunking like he had in the recent past. And he wasn't just slinging it uh, indiscriminately like he was in his early parts of his career. Seemed like he was putting together the perfect Matt Stafford season. I hope he, uh, I hope he brings that back. He was, he was Jameis without the, like, what the fuck are you doing plays, right? Yeah. Like he was throwing yeah. it downfield and like, wasn't making these just completely terrible decisions. He He's what people like me and Timo think Jameis is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a solid pick. All right. Um, I'm up. Uh, I've got the Colts. Um, a lot of guys actually that I have um, – still uh on my board uh drew Brees and abacare have not sucked me in yet um yeah they have they haven't gotten to me yet um and I, the old guy like if i were taking an old guy i would take tom brady ahead of drew Brees, and it wouldn't even be a, a question in my mind i think tom brady could maybe play three more years but that's still on the long end you're being sucked in by another pseudoscience like, in that regard I, no i'm not i'm not uh, I'm not a, a proponent of the TB12 method. So I'm deciding between, as crazy as this may seem, uh, Tua, Jimmy G, and Kirk Cousins. Uh, I'm not going to take Kirk Cousins over Jimmy G. And Tua, uh, you know, as much as I believe in him, I actually think that he's got, you know, some, some question marks that I don't have with Jimmy G. So uh, here it is. I hate to bring Jimmy to Indy because I know how much that will pain him, but I'm going to go with uh, 
Jimmy Garoppolo. It, it always had to be Jimmy. You were going to pick him. You knew it. I knew it. I knew you it. You knew it. And, and, and I'm glad you passed on Kirk Cousins because I think, especially coming into this year, there's a narrative surrounding him, and a lot of it is justified because of his surrounding talent or the deficit of it with the loss of digs and other things. Cook, I don't think, is that big a hit, but some people are viewing it that way. But I think that you plop him in the right system, there's no reason he can't do what the kind of things that Ryan Tannehill did last year. There's no reason. There's no reason. And the uh, narrative about him not performing in big games kind of been blown up at this point. I think he's a solid QB at this spot. Um, will he take you deep into the playoffs is always the question. But, man, just get me the playoffs uh, when you're picking at this point. Um, and I'm pretty happy. So I'm taking Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, he's going to run into a better leader in Jimmy G. And <laughs> I feel like he's going to run into the back of his left guard. Kirk Cousins during like a backs. scramble. So Mike Evans will go from 2,000 air yards to 400 air yards. <laughs> <laughs> he Defense. still throws deep on play action, Timo. He Stop does. Stop slander. Stop uh, Okay. I'm, I obviously have the Drew Locke pick here. I have Denver Ooh, at 19. How tempted um, are you? I, just, just a little bit. Um, as it continues to go further down, I do start to be enticed a little bit by Breeze, Brady, Roethlisberger, Rivers. Um, obviously, Jameis is still on the board, which is enticing. Um, I think I'm going to go – part of me really wants to take Ryan Tannehill here. And because – when you look at his performance over the past, like, you know, since he's been drafted, he's trending in the right direction. And then he had the injuries and then he had last season, which was amazing. And a lot of stuff was, it was in, in place there. Um, but regression, you know, it is what it is. So I'm going to, I'm going to buy into the pyramid scheme at what number is this 15? Uh, and I'm going to go because I think he'll play at least a couple more years. I'm going to go Drew Brees. My God. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with uh, at pick number 16, picking for the Falcons. Um, I'm going to go with Tua at age 22. Um, I know that, you know, there are concerns about his injury history. Um, he played with like three, maybe even four future first round picks in his wide receiver core. Um, those are concerns, but I, I think the dude's a baller, like watch him play. You know, he he just operates with a lot of decisiveness and urgency, maybe even too much urgency at times. But um, he was a prolific college pastor and, um, you know, a, a very good athlete. And um, I, I think that, you know, this is where it starts to get a little bit difficult uh, because we're running into some quarterbacks that we don't necessarily believe in. You know, there there is not a single snap of, of Tua uh, Tagovailoa on, on NFL tape yet. Um, so we're running into some, um, some, some difficult decisions here, I think, um, as the second half of the first round begins. But I'm going to go with the upside here and give Tua to the Falcons. Evan, you've taken Carson Wentz and Tua. Talk about – you're going to need a medical staff between the Browns and, and, and Atlanta here that is second to none. And Deshaun Watson. That's true. ACL tears on his resume. Two of them, yeah. I, I, you know, just as as we're getting here to the second half, I love our top four. Like, I, to me, the fact that we took Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson makes me excited for this football season. 
Like if, the, if that's somehow how this season breaks with those four guys having top, you know, five-ish seasons, we're in good shape. All right, back to me here. Um, I think Tannehill is in play, Uh-oh. as as Eric so mentioned. Drew Locke. Um, yeah, Drew Locke's always in play. Um, <laughs> I think also here you can think about a younger quarterback if you like someone like Daniel Jones, although I feel like, for me, that's, that's not going to take it. Um, I'm going to take a guy that I think has been overshadowed by his draft class and the fact that they've gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth over the years. And now everyone sees him as, you know, far below Carson Wentz and uh, Dak Prescott. But I think Jared Goff is someone who has shown that he can play at that high level. um, If he has, if you build around him in the right way. And that's something that a lot of guys can't do. Um, and you also factor in, you know, little things. You want to factor in little things like the fact that he's, he's a couple of years younger than someone like Carson Wentz. Um, he's had as high of a ceiling as, as those guys almost did a couple of years ago with what he performed on the way before things got a little bit ugly going to the Super Bowl. So uh, Goff's, Goff's the guy for me because he's, he's shown that he can do it when everything's around him, which is kind of an underrated skill. Um, most people just try to, try to always look for upside. I look for a guy who's been able to prove it as long as you build the right team around him. I think at this point in the draft, that's the way you have to view these guys. Um, they're not – you're going to win with them, right? Um, you're just going to win with them. And so build a, build a good team around them. And, uh, and and you can make the playoffs. You can you can win maybe a lucky game in the playoffs against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. <clears throat> Timo, you can, you can so, do it. <laughs> so I'm drafting for the Steelers. Um yeah, I, I take the risk and let Eric on the clock run more time. <laughs> um, I go full win now mode, and I'm taking I'm taking Tom Brady. So yeah. ah man, <laughs> I uh, I really was excited to bring Tom Brady to Chicago um, after what they have suffered through, and will continue to suffer through this year with that experiment. Um, and so now, you know, the, the older guys that are left, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, for example, is an older guy that's still on the board. Philip Rivers, an older guy that's still on the board. Um, younger guys that are here, you know, there is Jameis, there's Dwayne Haskins, there's, uh, I guess you could put Derek Carr and Teddy Bridgewater sort of in that group. I think Cam Newton um, is an interesting option here. And then also Sam Darnold, who's I think had like one of the worst situations known to man um, and, and is being underrated here. Um, so this is tough. Uh, I am going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Jameis Winston. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm going to, I'm going to go. With Sometimes James. I wonder if I'm having an effect on George, you know, all, all these years it. and then all of and a sudden, the- boom. So uh, one of the best head in the franchise history ever. Here's yeah. So here's the thing. That, Story I, I was swayed, was swayed a little bit by what Josh just said because he reminded me of something that Eric often preaches, which is when you make it to the playoffs, you win a Super Bowl because you can string together three, four great games. And James Winston may not get me to the playoffs in four of the five years because he's a catastrophe. But if he gets me there one year, 
I at least think he's got a chance to string them together. Whereas I don't feel that way about Teddy Bridgewater or Ryan Tannehill. So Jameis, it is. This is a tough one for me. Uh, but I do think I'm going to, I'm going to join the Drew Brees redemption parade and slot him in for one more year on the Rams here. Um, Drew Brees has already, uh, has already been taken, dude. I've already took, oh my God, I already right. took the flag for <laughs> You went. You went the okay. So then this makes sorry. It much I said easier. Drew Locke, but I didn't actually ever want I to see, take him. I see. Okay. So <laughs> so this makes it much easier. And this is actually a much more woke pick. I'm going to take Cam Newton, a guy who's sitting on the sidelines without a team right now. Um, oh, I think he deserves great. to be on a roster right now. I think there's tons of ways you can utilize his talents to win. Um, and I like him better than Tannehill. I like him certainly better than Carr. Um, and way better than Jones and Allen. So that's that would be my pick at this point. That's a Yeah, that's that's a good place. I you know I like that and, and and you've put me in Josh a, a position where I get the best of both worlds. You know, I get Tannehill on the conservative and um and then I get Ryan Fitzpatrick on the <laughs> just YOLO um you know, you yeah, just you only live once type of situation. Um I'm going to go with Tannehill for the reasons I said a couple picks ago. Uh, I think he is on a career. He was on a career arc that was, you know, pretty good. And then last season, uh, he sort of, uh, you know, made good on some of the promises he had made early in his career with Miami before the ACL. So uh, give me Tannehill here. Wow. What, what did he okay. go in that ESPN one? 25th. Okay. He went before Cousins and – Goff, I think, but I don't know. At 25, I felt like that was a good pick. Yeah, yeah. Um, 21 right. here. Probably. This is the pick that I have been – so I cheated a little bit. I, I set the draft order, and I started at this pick and worked my way backwards, and that's why Evan Silva has the bills. <laughs> I also noticed that you gave me, like, the Giants, who I spent, like, all of 2019 ripping on. And then um, the Falcons, who I just, like, destroyed their draft. So I, I didn't know if you were, like um, – but, man, this is really, really tough. I mean, I think there's a temptation to give them Ben and try to just go for it for, you know, one or two years. Ben's only 38. I know it feels like he's 43, but he's only 38. Um, I don't know if that arm is going to hold together, though. I'm, I'm, like, legit worried about that. He had three tendons reattached in his throwing elbow. That's terrifying. And then it's Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, or Daniel Jones. And I think that they're all in very similar territory. You know, I wake up one day, I like Darnold the best. I wake up the next day, I like Daniel Jones the best. But, you know, I kind of think I know who the best, and that's going to be the 2020 NFL MVP, Josh Allen, reuniting with the Buffalo Bills, the beloved Bills Mafia, and they deserve Josh Allen, and that's who they're going to get. Yes, they do. No, but I also All right, I know, can I can get behind that last part. <laughs> you deserve it. Well, I I mean he's maybe the best running quarterback in the NFL outside of Lamar. Mm-hmm. So and we understand that he has these, you know, he's he's a broke deep ball passer right now. You know, he doesn't know where the ball is going more often than not, I would say. When you know he doesn't have control over the football more often than not when he's throwing the ball downfield. But how much is that is how much value does that rushing ability bring um because I think that you know 10 touchdown 
a rushing 30 touchdown passing year is sort of in his range of potential outcomes. He did get better going from year one to year two. Um, and just, you know, I remember coming out of college, like I didn't think of him as a, a dynamic dual threat. I thought of him as a guy who was clearly an inaccurate passer, a guy that Wyoming didn't even build their offense around. They built the offense around Brian Hill, primarily uh, the running back. And, you know, he gets to the pros and they start to put pieces around him. And I mean, he took a step forward. That's indisputable entering his, his uh, going into his second year. And now they, they give him Stefan Diggs, the best deep ball receiver statistically in 2019 to kind of, you know, understanding that, hey, that's a, a weakness for Josh Allen. We're going to give, you know, we're going to give him a means of improving upon that weakness. Now, he doesn't necessarily get Stefan Diggs in this draft. You know, if we get to round two, maybe I'll take him. But uh, for the Bills, but I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, I think he's got a, I think the team is going to be good. I think he's gonna, he has a chance to throw 30 touchdown passes and run for 10. And if, if this team is 12 and four and they've got a super, you know, an ultra productive quarterback, like, I don't know how he wouldn't be in the MVP conversation. Josh so, Allen doesn't need digs. He needs a big body deep target. He needs a Megatron to make his deep passes. You know, that's Calvin Buffalo. That, that was the Dave Gettleman thinking. You remember he surrounded Cam Newton with uh, Devin Funches and Kelvin Benjamin and, you know, they and Greg Olson, and they put a bunch of big guys around him to, like, give him big catching radius, but then they just got to be the slowest team in the end. The well, team. and Cam Newton's so, MVP season came in the year when Benjamin had an ACL needed, and Ted Ginn was his best receiver, right? all they needed was, yeah, Ted Ginn. To stay, Ted Ginn caught 10 touchdowns that season. Josh so, Allen is not Cam Newton. What do we need to well, another 12? I, I, yeah. I think that the Bills organization sees him as 90% of Cam Newton. Here's the oh, question. Lord. Here's the question I have. You mentioned, you said he's the second best running quarterback behind Lamar Jackson. I almost, re, like the tequila I just drank almost came right back out. Um, because I look at guys that are clearly, in my opinion, better runners with the football, but because they can actually throw the football at a decent, you know, clip, they don't need to be utilized like that. So I wonder is the reason that he is in your mind, number two, in terms of rushing because he's, he has to do that or else he won't be in the league. Um, no, I, oh. I, I'm not trying to, I, I'm not trying to create an argument there. I mean, I think that it's look, you know, there's, there's a bunch of guys that are, are good scrambling quarterbacks. He has, you know, I mean, he scored more rushing touchdowns than any quarterback in the NFL over the past two years. He's been super productive in terms of overall volume from a rushing standpoint. He got better as a passer going from year one to year two. And now going into year three, adding another dynamic weapon, the guy who you know ran the – or averaged the second most yards per route run and had the best deep ball efficiency among all wide receivers last year. They added him, him to – you know, uh, kind of, but he's not on your team. He's not on your team though. I, I know. I understand that. I would, I, I diverted and started talking about the MVP conversation. Listen, oh, gotcha. or right. this draft, the, I'm the... signing Josh Allen <laughs> back to the bills and bills mafia is ecstatic and they're jumping through hella tables. Alan, Alan, very interesting in that the majority <laughs> of his rushing yards were on scrambles, scrambles, but the majority of his touchdowns were on design runs inside the 10. So it was, he is a very good runner. I will give him that. The, the tricky part is, is unlike Lamar, um, you know, they're going to – Lamar gets three-fourths of his yards on design runs. Like, I don't know if Buffalo is going to want to do that, but it'll be interesting to see. 
That works perfectly, by the way. The the Pats and Kevin Cole are up. All right. Um, Jared Stedham, of course, is in is in contention here, but uh, I'm going to go with one of the one of the guys that Evan mentioned. Um, I think when you're looking at quarterback play, there's been quite a few different studies on this that have shown that guys who can give you kind of some high upside play, even if they have mistakes, that's the thing that's more difficult to to gain to become elite is when you is when you someone who can really make plays and throw the balls down the field, and even if you have the negatives to go along with that. Um, it's basically it's easier for, for even an average or a mediocre quarterback to avoid mistakes than it is to make plays. So I'm going to look for a young guy who's made some plays um, but has a lot of mistakes, uh, some awareness problems in the pocket, which maybe can be cleaned up, and that's uh, Daniel Jones. Wow. Um, yeah, so I would, take, I, would have, I would have taken him before Allen, I think, also. I think he's just shown more. Um, I think he was probably a little underrated coming out of college by a lot of the community. Maybe he didn't, maybe he didn't deserve to be the sixth pick overall. But he truly played with an awful supporting cast there. I know that um, that was kind of Allen's Allen's card for why he was why, why he did poorly in college. But he also played against really bad competition in college, as opposed to what what Jones did. So um, yeah, so he, he he's my guy. And I'm again, I, it seems to be a familiar theme for me. Is I'm I'm going a little bit more upside with younger guys. You know, I see Man. Frisco over here, you know, smirking, and I mean, he took a dude who's literally out of the league. Okay, and at least we took young guys who are in the NFL. Okay, <laughs> just so you know. I, I don't understand. This is a different draft. We, these are not on their teams. It doesn't matter if they're in the league or not. I'm putting them on my team, and we're rolling them out there, and we're going to take advantage of his unique abilities. It, it's similar to how Frisco doesn't exist anywhere, even in the minds of people who live in San Francisco. So it fits. <laughs> Oh man! Wah wah wah! All right, Timo. Timo, the Saints. Yeah, the Saints. Oh right. yeah, I, I was pretty sure that I would take a non-quarterback at twenty-four, but <laughs> <A guard>. um, <laughs> but the, yeah, the last two picks, um, two guys went off the board that weren't even on my list <laughs> because I mean, I feel like I feel like um, before I take a bet on Josh Allen becoming good, I can just. Uh, um, draft quarterbacks the next draft and hope he will become good so I will go with another Oli and this is Philip Philip Rivers so the Saints have a good O-line and I think Philip Rivers can can have like at least two more years and yeah they only have a good O-line if you draft one so yeah I mean I, I, I have guards I have guards on my list <laughs> May God help you. The Saints at least have a home field advantage, which is unlike what the Chargers have had to deal with for two, three years. I'm kind of surprised. Um, I'm surprised Rivers went ahead of Roethlisberger. Like, to me, Rivers is closer to being done than, than Big Ben is, um, which is which is why uh, at 25 with the Vikings – I, I'm tempted here. I, I am considering Sam Darnold, who I would have taken ahead of Daniel Jones. Um, I'm considering Dwayne Haskins. Uh, I'm considering Ben Roethlisberger. I'm sort of considering Teddy Bridgewater, just because I know Eric is going to take him at 27. Um, and this is tough because, uh, you know, a five-year window, um, I, I think Ben could last like two to three years. But that's half 
or less than half of, you know, the, the time that I've got here. So uh, I'm going to take Sam Darnold, who I think has just had one of the worst situations in football, including this uh, mono thing. And as long as he doesn't get coronavirus, I feel good about his, uh, his chances to be decent with a decent sporting cast. George, you'd give a little bit, little bit more on Darnold versus Daniel Jones. Cause I think that's, I think okay. you'd have, I think you have a contrarian idea there. I mean, I, I get, I mean, I kind of get where so, you're coming from, but so, you have two, two, two years of bad performance versus one year of, you know, okay performance for a rookie at least. Okay. So I think Daniel Jones, uh, rookie performance was dramatically overrated based on his touchdown interception ratio stuff, which in the year of our Lord 2020, which was all concentrated in like three games too. I think needs to be ruled out. So I'm going to grab the, the PFF grades here. Sam Darnold has not been good about a 65 overall PFF grade, both of his first two seasons. And I want to say Daniel Jones was right in that area as well. The difference being that I just think Sam Darnold's situation has been so poor that I'm going to go back to what I valued both those guys at pre-draft. And Sam Darnold was well ahead of Daniel Jones in that situation. So, um, so that's why I would go Darnold ahead of, of Daniel Jones there. I'm, I'm going to use that prior a little bit more. Now, that prior could be totally wrong because Sam Darnold didn't exactly have, maybe I'm using that California, you know, rose colored glasses there with what he did in um, the year before his, his last year at USC. Um, but I'm going to leverage that a little bit more than I think most people would. Yeah. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't really been good since his red shirt freshman season. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, it's, it's been so, a while. <laughs> look, we're, we're in the dog days here. I, I strongly considered being the first person to pivot from quarterback, but I couldn't, I couldn't wear that. I couldn't be that guy. So right. look at you're taking, you're taking shots here. I, I at least am going to take a shot that, um, that I could get a guy that could be, you know, good enough to win me a Super Bowl. Yeah, so you guys asked about if there are leadership issues or anything like that, um, that would cause you to be on or off a guy. And, and that's the case for me with Roethlisberger. He's just, it's a threshold thing. I would never have him on one of my teams. Uh, no matter how good he is, um, just it's just right off the table. So he's off, even though he's probably the pick here in terms of pure talent and the breadth of his um, resume. So I'm kind of left here with impalatable uh, choices between youngsters, uh, Dwayne Haskins and Drew Locke. Um, and I think this is a, a, an interesting choice, right? Like right now you have about a half a season for each of them. And then you have your prior coming in pre-draft. And uh, based on both of those franchises and based on uh, the power of my, my prior coming in from colleges, I have to give the edge to, um, to Dwayne Haskins. And he actually, he actually came on at the end of the season a little bit better than he did. He showed some promise. He made some strides, but it was god-awful. But your first half year as a starter on a bad team needs to be heavily discounted. The same way for, um, I mean, it's, it's the exact same thing with Drew Locke, who performed a little bit better, but he also had, I think, a much better defense to protect him, and uh, and he also had some uh, some pretty decent tools and weapons to work with. Um, I think uh, Drew Locke is going to fall on his face this year, and I wouldn't even take him uh, in the first round, I don't wow. believe. Um, I think I would start drafting uh, uh, cornerbacks and edge rushers before I took Drew Locke. But uh, yeah, so 
dial in uh, Dwayne Haskins for me for the Texans at pick 26. Is that even a hot take about Drew Locke? Like, I mean, I think that Drew Locke in all likelihood is going to be a backup in the NFL. So. Yeah, I think it's a hot take for a lot of people in Denver. Absolutely. It, it, it seems like it is for a lot of people in Denver and, you know, for the, the person bring Denver for ESPN and um, I don't know. I mean, people are really clinging to that scary five game sample against a bunch of, you know, terrible teams. Um, I don't know, you know, with the exception of that blowout win against the Texans, but that was just kind of a, a wild game at the end. I mean, I don't know. And, and how, how good was that five game sample? Like I get the touchdown interception ratio, he averaged six and a half yards per attempt. I mean, I mean they were, like, let's let's be realistic here. That means nothing in such a small sample, but much also, less in a big sample. But I do think that there's a chance that with him on the rookie deal and with all the players they put around him, Dalton Reisner, you know, Fant, Albert O, uh, Judy, uh, Sutton, like, that could be a pop-up team in an AFC that's not, like, terribly good, you know? Um, it, I think the discussion next year around this time is, is going to be the same one we've been having about the Bortles and the Trubisky's and the, and the Drew, you know, the, um, sorry, uh, Josh Allen's like, I think Denver could be good this year, but, and, it, but we're going to be arguing at this time next year. It's not because of Drew Locke. I mean, the thing for me is if you asked the supporters like of Drew Locke, you know, how much higher could he be rated if he was a legitimate top 15 pick in the NFL draft instead of the 42nd pick in the NFL draft. And I'm not sure people would really view him any differently. So yeah, I think that whole thing is just being discounted. The fact that, um, you know, multiple quarterback needy teams uh, passed on him some some multiple times. So I think that's the thing that's really including Denver twice. To. Right. So that's just that's just the thing people aren't paying attention to, which I think is important. So yeah, and and it's wild that they haven't upgraded their number two quarterback position over Jeff Driscoll. Yeah. So if Rulock fails, you know, they just go straight to Driscoll. Cam we have Newton. seen some. We have seen some success with Pat Shermer with Minnesota with Keenum, and also the Giants' offense wasn't nearly as bad the last few years as their record would suggest. So there might be some situation where they can gel, but I don't know. Like you said, I they have no backup plan, which is crazy to me, given especially given the players who who are available, namely the guy Josh drafted. Eric, the Seahawks are at twenty-seven, and Rashad yeah, Penny and, is still on the board. And who who's on the board? Rashad Penny. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this is the the infamous Rashad Penny pick, right? <laughs> um, I'm actually so I I've been <clears throat> I've been uh, you know sort of going back and forth here. I think the marginal value of taking the next quarterback here is pretty minimal, um, but at the same time, you have to ask the question: Is the next wide receiver is the is the difference between any of these next wide receivers? Uh, you know, that minimal is, you know, is that big as well. But I do think there's a guy who going into his fourth season is ascending, can play both the inside and the outside, uh, has made do with, you know, sorry, Timo, but a quarterback who hasn't been the greatest in the world. Uh, and, and, I, and I only see him going up from here. So with the first non-quarterback pick, I'm actually going to take Chris Godwin, the wide receiver. Wow. Hey. I stand. That, that's, a, that's a good choice. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> That, crazy, crazy. How, I'm curious, how many of you taking the first non-quarterback would have been within like a 10-mile radius of Chris Godwin? Five-mile radius, maybe. Very valuable player. Very good. Also ascending. I mean, how much does 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 Jameis like add to the value 
of a wide receiver, though. Like, honestly, I, I mean, I think it's an interesting discussion. We will mm-hmm. see with Tom Brady this year. But there is something to James. I mean, I was going through a bunch of stats the other day about – you know, throwing past the sticks, doing other stuff. I mean, this guy's just willing to throw it all over the place. And when we look at a lot of the receiver efficiency stats and things like that, we're taking out all of those negatives, right? We're, like, we're taking out the interceptions the quarterback throws. We're taking out uh, the sacks. Like, they, they, those parts of the passing game aren't really built into a lot of these efficiency stats that we look at for receivers. We're looking at how well they perform when the ball yeah. is catchable, essentially. Yeah. So Jameis is giving those guys a lot of opportunities to – to, for catchable balls for a lot of value. And then all the negative stuff just, you know, it just gets attributed to him basically. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and there is another wide receiver here who I do think offers a ton of value in, in a different way, but he has off the field issues that I think make him uh, too risky. When just I look say at Goff- Tyreek Hill's name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking about Tyreek Hill, but I, but there is, as Evan pointed out, there's a probability of complete bust that that is something I can't, uh, you know, sit, sit with here. Godwin, I don't think has that. And, and as far as adding value, I do agree with you, Kevin. I do. There is something to the sort of opportunities that he gets. Um, but when you look at a guy who, who predominantly played, you know, who played inside outside averaging 11 yards per target last year and over nine yards of target, basically every single season of his career, like there's a, just a lot going for him. Uh, and, and, you know, when I'm, when I'm trying to build a team and I'm looking at like, picking for between Roethlisberger, Carr, Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor. Like, I'm just going to be like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make somebody else make that decision for me and take a wide receiver who I know is going to be productive with this first pick. And fascinating. I, I'm, I am very interested by Kevin's point, which is like, if you just give a guy this many opportunities downfield, are we inflating? You know, but the is it though? He only had a 121 target. I mean, we're not talking about a guy who's like, we're not talking about DeAndre Hopkins here, who's awesome, right? Don't get me wrong, but we're like, it's not like he's at the Allen Iverson of wide receivers, right? He was just given, he was given a lot oh, of sure. good opportunities, but he, he had relatively few relative to other like really good receivers. Plus he had to compete with targets with, uh, um, God, Mike Evans. Mike Evans. And, <laughs> yeah. And, and he made, and he made a guy like OJ Howard who's a first round pick basically, you know, disposable in the middle of the field because he outplayed like, there, okay. There's a ton of things that I think are, are positive in Godwin's direction. No, I, I, look, I'm with you that I think he would be higher on my board than, than most people's. I guess what I am curious about is, like, we have seen Bruce Arians' offense elevate players that have just become kind of nothingness or average, you know, to a level where everyone was kind of going, oh, my God, like, how did I miss out on John Brown? John Brown is a nickname, you know, halfway into the 2015 season and, you know, a year and a half later, like he can't be found. So I, I don't know that that part of me worries me a little bit. I'm not saying that Chris Godwin is John Brown, by the way, but like that would be the part that would scare me off from a guy like DeAndre Hopkins or um, Julio Jones. But I, I think it's a fascinating conversation. It is. It is. So I'm going to follow up uh, Eric's uh, possession slot receiver, first round pick with, um, a future Hall of Fame quarterback in uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and, you know, not, not the greatest guy, but, you know, he, he has won the, the big one before. The last time we saw him play a full season was, I mean, he was, he was very good in 2018. Um, definitely worry about his health, but I think that the health situation, it's sort of baked into his price at this point because he's going toward the end of the first round. He's, you don't even need to hire an offensive coordinator. He saves your organization money 
because he will run the offense. Actually, he's going to run the offense. So don't hire an offensive coordinator because it might piss him off. Um, so I like that about him. I like his aggressiveness. Um, you know, again, he's on and off the field. He's got two or three good years left in. But, uh, you know, we're, we're going to take the shot on, on Big Ben. I'm, I'm like 0 for 5 on jokes so far, but it's okay. I'm gonna <laughs> I think persist. we were just staying away from that one. That one at Bright Light said stay away. Um, <laughs> and on that note, I'm going to – okay, so I would have taken Roethlisberger because I feel like if he was still – if Evan didn't choose him because he he's a guy where you, you pick him, you're in contention, right? You're in contention um, mm-hmm. to potentially win the Super Bowl. Um, Unless my accounting is off on the quarterbacks who are available still, uh, I don't think there's anyone else still available at this point, young or old, who puts you into that category. So, I mean, I'm going to pivot pretty far away from where people may be thinking because um, while I agree with the wide receiver value equation, um, I just think there's a little bit more depth at the top than there are at some other positions, some value pos- valuable positions. And I'm going to go with a guy that we haven't been that high on for a couple of years. But if you look at the NFL and, and the, the, the trade value that he, that he gets, um, they're very high on him. And I'm going to go with Jalen Ramsey here. Mm. Um, not- I just feel like it's been, a, it's been an undervalued trade that we've seen for a while. But if you have a true lockdown number one cornerback that really provides a lot of value potentially for – the defense and he's a guy who's young um and you're just you just don't there just aren't many guys out him out there like him so he's unique so i feel like a unique player here and then you can come back in the in the rounds uh going forward especially at the turn here to to add to the offense to, to start to build that up but let's grab the most unique player now I like that i like ramsey a lot the rams clearly did too <laughs> yeah, I mean, he went for. I mean, how many guys get that sort of sort of trade value, right? So, Jordan Love still on the board for the Packers at thirty, Timo. You've got to be tempted. Yeah, you got to be a little what, tempted. But what about AJ Dillon? <laughs> <laughs> you just need to set up set up the play action pass. You have to. No, but I, I mean, I'm pretty confident. Um, like Eric said before, I'm pretty confident. I still get a stud receiver at thirty-five if I want to. So I also go defense here, um, but I'm going to the safety position. Um, I'm taking Durbin James. I'm still pissed. I'm still pissed the Bucks didn't draft him <laughs> back in 2018. So uh, yeah, I'll draft him right now for the Packers. This is this is soul crushing because I had a chance at semi redemption. I almost had a. I almost lost it when the Niners didn't take Derwin James in real life, and I was finally set up to redeem it. It was going to be how I slept tonight. And you've stripped him away from me again. Uh, th- so now I'm I'm a, sh- a ship without a sail at this point. Um, what do we think Derwin James commands on the free market? Like in comparison to someone like Jalen Ramsey. Not that let's say Ramsey was over if he was overpriced, but like the safety position is it just a mistake from the NFL that it's not that coveted? Is he's just placed into a box that that he doesn't belong in? Um, that's a great question, Greg, because right now the, the highest paid is 14-6 with Eddie Jackson. Yeah. And then you look at – So you, you should know, get even of, more value from having him on your team too, right, because you can hold down his contract. 
Well, well, you and you don't need to have as many um, higher price. It's sort of the Tyron Matthew thing in Kansas City, where you can pay your corners like three million bucks collectively because he covers up a lot. Um, so there's there's value even in that too, right? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, all right, so I, I'm I'm stuck here uh, now without the guy that I was going to take, but I, I prepared for it. Um, the quarterbacks that are left, honestly, the one that that I am most intrigued by is Gardner Minshew. That that being said, um, I'm not going to take Gardner Minshew right here because I just don't see the the benefit the benefit above what will probably be left for me after the turn. Um, so I'm going to take my my choices at wide receiver, and um, I'm going to go with DeAndre Hopkins, who I believe is the best all-around person slash wide receiver at the wide receiver position I could have been convinced uh you know to look at to look at Odell Beckham Jr. a little bit harder um I think Michael Thomas is really good but not quite as as uh, diverse I think Julio is a little older there and Tyreek Hill is obviously a, a huge question mark so um DeAndre Hopkins to me will give whatever quarterback I end up with in this draft the best chance I mean look he, he he was a great wide receiver with Brock Osweiler at, at QB. So um, I'm confident I can get someone better than Brock at some point in, uh, in San Francisco. All right. I'm, I'm going to be flipping uh, PFF the bird here. So I, I think this deserves like a full throated explanation. Mm. So I'll start, I'll start with why I won't go wide receiver. I can't go wide receiver because um, just my philosophy is you need a quarterback for the passing game to work. Uh, it's just, it just, that's where you have to begin. So spending a bunch of draft capital on a wide receiver before you get that quarterback, putting the car before the horse. I love the idea of beefing up a secondary, but I'm at the turn here. And even two stud cornerbacks is still leaving me at least one and probably two links short of having a dominant secondary. That's a good point. What I can do, what I can do on this turn is make a devastating front line. Oh my God. An incredible D line. And so what do you do? You take the best current defensive lineman in all the NFL and Aaron Donald. And then on the way back, you take one of the best prospects that we've seen on the edge and whoever knows how long in youngster chase young. This is when the draft start to be starts to become exciting. Yes. You know, we're not just taking oh, some old bogey quarterback or, you know, Ryan Tannehill. Like now you got to be a little creative and Ernest Merrick got creative there. I, yeah, that, that was, um, I was wondering how high Chase Young was going to go because I was creating my, my rankings for the D line. And I was like, man, are there really that many guys that I'm that excited about over Chase Young? Not really. I mean, he's super young. The guy's an absolute freak. Um, other other than other than Boa or Tua, I think Chase Young is the only only rookie I listed uh, on my on my short list of draftable players. So, uh, the Niners are back on the clock. We have DeAndre Hopkins already. the The quarterbacks are are not great as uh, as Josh talked about. Now, I believe also that quarterback is a necessary. Um, component here for the passing game and when my quarterback comes to San Francisco my guy is going to have one hell 
of a wide receiving core to throw to. I could play quarterback for this team and uh, and take them to the playoffs because I am going to take Tyreek Hill and pair him with DeAndre Hopkins. And now even Drew Locke could succeed uh, in this in this situation. I'm just going to go all in into, look, I'm going to take a high upside quarterback at some point. They may fall flat on their face. And if so, then I'm going to get a guy in the top of the draft next year. And he's going to have a couple of great receivers to throw to. Timo? I'm on the clock. Yep. I'm, uh, I'm tempted to add another cornerback here. So really... Derwin James and the Q- and for, the, for the Packers. Um, or I go with the receiver. I mean, I don't know. The Packers, they don't draft receivers. We know that. <laughs> Least no, not, not, yeah. yeah, but it's in the second round. So they, they draft receivers in the second round. Um, so I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Casey Hayward. Interesting. Maxine, Two Charger players going ahead of Justin Herbert. None of them being on offense. <laughs> Which probably tells point. you why they're going to win six Sorry. games. Yeah, that tells you a lot. Um, Hayward Hayward's been the most, the third most valuable player on you know uh, in the secondary the last three years in the NFL. And we pivoted hard from from quarterbacks here. <laughs> All right, Kevin, you're up. You can make it uh, another double-double on the defensive backfield. Yeah, I was thinking about it. Um, The question is, do I want to go with someone like Stephon Gilmore? I mean, he's not not old, but he's approaching 30 for a cornerback where um, I'd be a little bit more concerned about that. So I'm not going to worry about doubling up too much there. Um, again, when I look at the receivers, I guess maybe there's no one who's, who's jumping out to me all the way. I mean, maybe someone like Julio Jones, but uh, maybe I'm being too, too concerned about age again. So I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with George Kittle here, um, and get again, just a unique talent, um, where we have Kelsey, we have Kittle, and I'm going to take a little bit of the younger guy there, um, who can do a little bit more. Uh, even in line or outside. So so Kittle's going to be the pick for me. I just feel like he's a player, again, like when it comes to someone like Jalen Ramsey, just unique, unique talents that you can then build around. I like this. I had George more. Kittle as one of my top five, uh, like, non-quarterback picks. First name, right? George Kittle. Yeah, it's just a great oh, first, first name. name. Oh, yeah. Same as yeah. yours. Probably the uh, best. Just, he, now, everything everything now, about really, him. Everything about him is great. Like his whole personality, he's great for the league. He's just loves the game. It reminds me of Brett Favre that way. Just like you just tell, he just loves playing the game, and uh, and he's good natured about. It. He's not unlike Brett Favre. He's not a complete jerk. So uh, yeah, just great, great pick and great guy. I have a hot I mean, take think- that I like his personality more than Gronk's. Yeah, for sure. Man, I feel like tight end like- is also. George has always talked disparagingly about the Midwest, but now. It- fully comes out that he's like a huge fan of Midwestern people. So of course. 
I mean, I feel like tight end is also a position that's extremely undervalued in the market. I mean, you know, um, Hooper has the number one contract at a little bit over 10 million. Kelsey's barely making anything. It's tough to draft one early because you don't know if you're going to get a good one. But if you know you have a good one, I mean, you could be paying George Kittle less than 15 million a year when he signs a new contract versus Amari Cooper or someone like that is getting 20 million plus at the wide receiver position. So I feel like there's just a lot of value you can, you can, you can get from the position uh, just as far as contracts are concerned going forward too. Evan. Yeah, man, I got a lot of uh, good dudes on my radar here, but, uh, Ravens could have Ben and Antonio Brown. I'm just letting you know that. No, Antonio Brown is not in the league. You can't draft him, right? (laughs) Yeah, you can. I'd let you draft him. No. I drafted Cam. Come on, let's go. That's true. That's true. You broke the rules, though, Josh. Um, You know, (sighs) with Big Ben, when you have, like, an old quarterback, you need to maximize his protection – so I'm really tempted to take um, an offensive lineman, and there's a lot of good options. But I th- also think that there's going to be a lot of good options for offensive linemen in the third round. And so I'm going to give Big Ben, A.J. Mother Brown, right here. and A.J. Brown is going to be the best receiver in the league from ages 23 through 27. Um, now, Ben may only be around for those first couple years, but A.J. Brown is just an absolutely insane talent. I mean, I, I watched a lot of him at Ole Miss, and I think that Jordan Te'amu and, and the offense there, just they couldn't bring it out of him. But, man, the, the Titans really did, throwing off play action, getting him in space a good amount. He's incredible after the catch. He can win downfield. He's huge. I mean, he reminded me of Terrell Owens uh, his rookie season, um, and we're going to pair him with Big Ben, and we're going to try to win a Super Bowl in 2020 with the Ravens like that nice okay um with this so now notice like when i i took godwin as the first non-qb everybody ahead of me in the snake draft has to draft a non-qb moving forward so it makes zero sense for me to take Derek carr here um but i will take him at 91 what i'm going to do here to kevin's point talking about tight end scarcity i'm going to take the second best tight end in the nfl and the distance between him and kittle is very small compared to the distance between him and the third best tight end in the NFL. So I'm going to go Travis Kelsey here at 38. Do you, do you think Chris Godwin would still have been available here at 38? Did you not take him? Yeah, I I am kind of, uh, I am kind of looking like a stooge here, but if I, with, with my Seattle team having Derek Carr at 91, Kelsey and Godwin, think about the dump offs and the run after the catch. I'm going to get with this team. (laughs) Yeah, but you're going to take an interior lineman and a guard. So, and then a quarterback. So it's going to be great. All All right, right, Josh. Yep. So Dwayne Haskins needs someone to throw to. Um, There's a guy out there. He's young who has incredible deep ball ability. Uh, I think his ADOT's like 15. Um, And he also can run routes at all, all levels of the field. That's Kenny Galladay. He's young. He's, he's like just a, a, a talented receiver, and I think he will mesh well with uh, Haskins' skill set if, if he has time to, uh, to, to drop back and read the field. That's a big if, um, but we are going to give Haskins uh, at least one solid weapon 
uh, to give them a, a fighting chance to, to field a, at least a, a manageable, serviceable team this year. That's a great pick. I, I almost thought you were going Terry McLaurin there. So did I. So did I. Um, shower, shower narrative? No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, all right. So I, the Vikings now at pick 40, we took Sam Darnold, um, a couple picks after Daniel Jones, uh, but we liked, we were really happy that he fell to us. Um, and, you know, I, I was considering Terry McLaurin. Look, Michael Thomas and Julio Jones are still uh, on the board. And, um, you know, if Sam Darnold is going to reach his his potential, he's going to have to have guys that are getting open. That being said, I am not sure that there is a player better at getting open than Odell Beckham Jr. And I'm the GM of this team, and I have a lot of confidence in my ability to manage great players with unique personalities. He will not be wearing a ridiculous watch on the field because we'll, we'll talk about it beforehand. <laughs> and look, if Eli Manning can – can throw the ball to him and he can be an all pro wide receiver. Sam Darnold certainly can. Um, this is by far the best receiver Sam Darnold will ever uh, throw to. And I, to be perfectly honest, I can't believe that some of the receivers taken before OBJ were taken. And I'm guessing that's a, uh, that's because of his personality, but look, Freddie kitchens couldn't manage anybody so i am i'm confident my ability you're the one guy who can change odell george i agree i don't need to change him he was fucking amazing (laughs) yes he was oh stop it stop it (laughs) living off the catch you know still living off the catch bro i am that was calling him was a great catch five years ago oh my god incredible I'm getting you a Freddie Kitchens fat head for your blank wall behind you. <laughs> Freddie Kitchens did nothing wrong. Might be the tweets next year when the Browns start two and 11. <laughs> wow. All right, Timo. Phillip Rivers needs someone young. That's, that's true. So it's the fourth quarter. Phil Rivers is down by six. And he needs, uh, he needs someone who can get open down the field. And he needs someone who's just 26 years old, but has been in the league forever. So it's obviously Mike Evans at this spot. Not surprised by that. You had to take your Bucks <laughs> contingent here at some point. I mean, I, I thought Rivers Michael absolutely Thomas. loved that kind of receiver, though. That like the just throw it up and let the guy catch it and fall on his ass. Like that's a great Rivers receiver. I mean, yeah, he likes. That's, that's he, what I'm thinking. He likes Keenan Allen though too, right? I don't know. I feel like my, I feel like Michael Thomas might have been an interesting pairing with him also. Um, but anyway. Oh, PFF put up a graphic of our draft, and of course, it's you know the worst draft ever. <laughs> you guys know. Yeah, I'm seeing. Okay. There's some. There's some. There's a person with the name Broncos Summer 2020. You can imagine <laughs> his take. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna. Um, even though I'm not sure about the, the pairing or not with, with Daniel Jones, I'm just going to go ahead and put in the card here for Michael Thomas just to give him someone who is kind of always open in some sort of way over the middle of the field. Um, like I said, the thing with Daniel Jones is one of his problems last year uh, wasn't accuracy, wasn't his ability to keep his eyes downfield and throw. It was really his ability to 
to feel when pressure was coming and he had a, a ton of fumbles. So I feel like if he can get the ball out of his hands a lot quicker and that'll help with someone like Michael Thomas, you can kind of uh, mix those plays in with the bigger plays. So uh, although I liked a lot of the wide receivers that were selected, you know, Thomas falling this far is, is pretty big disconnect with what we're thinking and what the NFL is thinking. Yeah. That, I mean, this is, this is saying how much we think Drew Brees and Sean Payton are a part of Michael Thomas, right? Yeah absolutely the case and I, it's not to say that michael thomas isn't great um but it, it is to say what he does doesn't seem to be particularly special like i mean he does what he does really really well but the thing itself that he's doing um the routes that he's running they're precise but they aren't he's not a tyreek hill type talent a guy i would never roster on my team for for other moral and ethical reasons but he's not that kind of game-changing wide receiver I mean, the thing we, is, he put up such sure big numbers, right though. What's that? No, I was going to say, he put up such big numbers, though. Like, like you could even discount what he's done pretty healthily, and he still is, you know, one of the top receivers out there. So, anyway, I don't know. I feel like the Michael Thomas yeah. hate has gone a little he's, too far. He's but, great. But if you can it's get him this question. late, then that fan's fine. Yeah, I mean, the question is, is whether he's he's 30 catches and – X amount of yards better than everybody else, which I think most people would say, no, that excess is due to Breeze, but he's still really good. He's really good, and it was a great pick. Um, I'm going to pair Josh Allen with Trejavius White, and we're just going to go all in on Bill's Mafia. Um, I want to hear the PF. Look at the PFF guys laughing. You know, I was looking at uh, Trejavius White's ranking. Uh, in the PFF grades, and I need a long explanation for this. Eric, you're apparently the storyteller of the website, so <laughs> I've had it. Zone. I, it's, I mean, Josh, you guys posted that article, was it during the season, about the predictability and the reliability of zone coverage versus man coverage? And Yeah, we're, I mean, we're, we're completely we're, unable to – yeah, go ahead. And we're finding, you know, the, the, our, our group's kind of finding similar things where, you know, zone is just trickier. Um, that being said, he's, he's a good player. I mean, uh, you know, when you look at defensive backs the last three years, he's one of the top 20 most value, you know, you know, it's not, he's, he's not terrible. He's 25 years old. He's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. I understand he's played in a predominantly man system. He's also, or predominantly zone system. He's also had experiences with chasing around number one receivers at times. He doesn't do it as much as maybe, you know, some other cornerbacks, but I mean, he's, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, are you guys having like a, because I know you guys weren't that high on him uh, prior to the draft. His uh, his uh, combine athleticism, if, if I recall correctly, wasn't that great. I mean, can can stuff like that ever, you know, uh, create priors that affect your or, – or is it just all off the game charters and so therefore it, it's, you know, sh- really shouldn't be that biased? Well, there, his, his combines has nothing to do with what ends up being his PFF okay. grade on the field. Okay. Um, okay. You know, I – I do think it's a, just a product of, you know, the the scheme that he plays in and, you know, some of the – he did struggle in what year, what year two, 2018. He struggled a little bit, which I think clouds it some. Um, I don't know. With George, what do you think of that, an explanation would be? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say there are a couple of things that, um, that really cloud uh, the way that we perceive a, a production – in terms of just raw box score stats and PFF grade. And the biggest thing there is touchdowns. And what I think the PFF system 
really works hard to do is not overvalue those where, you know, I think it just in NFL parlance, like that is just the thing that we always gravitate to. And for obvious reasons, right. But it's, um, you know, Travis white did not give up a single touchdown last year. And that's super impressive. I'm not saying it's not, but we are not going to overvalue those uh, relative to other situations that look, I know there might be a little bit more value in the red zone, but um, that's not something that is going to be weighted more heavily. So um, I think that's the big difference there. I mean, look, he, he, he graded well last year and we've talked about how coverage is something that's unstable. I am not, I do not have a beef with this pick. You know, coverage is very valuable. Having a guy that has played well in coverage at a young age is great. Um, And you're going to have to take shots or else you're not going to be able to cover anyone and you're going to lose football games. Like, uh, you know, like, like Josh's team at the turn is going to find out they are going to need to cover somebody. Give me a really good 25 year old established starter cornerback in the NFL. And I mean, he's a second round pick in our draft. I think it's a great pick. I don't, I don't think it's, um, I don't think you picked him too early, but I also don't think you picked him too late. Like I, you know, I'm not, I'm not shocked he made it this far, but I'm also not shocked that you took him here. He also, you know, he also had 17, has had 17 penalties. Um, That's something that often. That's something that stood out to me when I was just looking at his, you know, his charting from last year that he had a lot of penalties. I mean, yeah. And that's and those something are, and those are tricky because, you know, when you think about it, assigning value to players, it's not as clean as like an offsides penalty, right. but it's something where you get a majority of the blame for it and they're negative plays. Whereas when you do positive things, you distribute the credit more evenly. So it's tricky when you have a lot of negatives uh, on your, you know, on your ledger, because a lot of those get like concentrated onto you. Although there is also something for to... the most part, it is a subjective call by the referee. Mm-hmm. right you know yeah. no it's yeah they, they weren't even after they instituted the rule they weren't really uh you know going back and reviewing those and overturning them but all right let's move on to the next pick sorry yeah so i'm gonna go with the eagles at 25 or sorry at 21 44 44 on the turn sorry um with a player who played a lot like the guy that elevated Tannehill last year he's older but i think he's a similar type of player i'm gonna go with julio jones mm. uh for the eagles here uh at 44 to pair with Tannehill. Uh, in that offense. I, I'm shocked that Julio Jones is still available. Yeah. He's older, you know, yeah. but he's reliable. He's great. He doesn't score touchdowns, which means he hashtag sucks. But by the way, Evan has put together the only like reduplication of a team and it's the bills. And I, I don't care what happens from now on out. This is, this has been perfect. Yeah, I know it is. That's I drafted it. But um, I would bet that the um, the fantasy people are more um, in tune with um, with uh, Julio because of the the peak age of, of wide receivers. The peak age, like he's really he's starting to stretch it a little bit. He w- he was very good last year. He didn't have I don't think he had one of his you know tr- uh, trademark super monster games this past year. Uh, but he was still very good. But he did average his fewest yards per target in his entire career. Now he was still top five in yards per route run. So I would say that he definitely has, you know, some juice left in the tank, but this is going to be his age 31 season. And for big receivers in particular, um, you know, we're, we're starting to reach like, you know, the, the crescendo here a little bit. And uh, you know, this is, we're, we're trying to aim for Super Bowls in a five-year window and big receivers do not age tend to not age as gracefully as do smaller receivers. 
great point. All right, so I'm going to continue to screw up the Rams franchise. And uh, look, we've got a, an older uh, rundown quarterback that we're going to we're going to throw out there and run right back into the teeth of the defense to hopefully try and take this team to the playoffs we're going to need someone to defend on the back and let's take another old proven defender let's take Stefan Gilmore let's throw him out there uh, he's this the secondary is really difficult to predict especially on a, a longer time horizon but in the metrics that I'm able to track that I find that do have some kind of stickiness he he tends to be one that you could say is likely to continue. And one of the big problems here with saying that is I'm, I'm assuming a system, you know, that's run by Bill Belichick um, that he's operating in with other pieces around him, but we'll do our best. We'll throw him out there and, uh, and, and hope that we can pass and stop the pass in LA. God, that sounds so sweet when you say it. I, I'm, I'm voting for uh, Josh's Rams team is uh, most likely to be in a rebuild within three seasons. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing, man. I mean, this dude dressed a, a guy who's out of the league in a 30-year-old cornerback. You know? That's right. That's right. He's tanking uh, for Trevor maybe somehow already. I don't know if that's part of the calculus, but kudos if it is. I'll give it to you. I am um, – I'm sitting here with Jameis. The Bears have Jameis Winston. We took it 19. People are rioting in the streets of Chicago. Um and so at 46, it only feels right to take a guy to, to make Jameis look as good as he possibly can and prove myself right because I'm an arrogant GM. Um, and I think there are a couple of really interesting options here. I really like Terry McLaurin. I think he was fantastic. Keenan Allen is still there. He's an injury concern. Um, you've got guys like Stephon Diggs and Brandon Cooks and Amari Cooper. I think there's a lot of value there at wide receiver, and I'm not sure those guys are going to be there when I come back at, at 83. So I'm going to have to take one now, um, and I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Amari Cooper. Uh, I just think the dude is really, really good. Gets open um, as well as just about anyone in the league, and uh, I think the ability to run routes is the thing that that is stickiest with, with wide receivers. So I'm confident he'll be able to do that for a little while uh, going forward. So Jameis and Amari Cooper. Balls deflecting off a of Cooper and getting more picks for James. Stop. Please Great. stop. <laughs> Please stop. Amari has, like, really elevated Dak's game. I mean, yeah. you know, if you look at Dak's splits, ever since he got uh, Amari, like, halfway through that, what was it, the 2018 season, I mean, Dak has been sensational. A di- a literally a different quarterback. They've elevated um, each other, really. Um, and just that ability to get open. I know that Amari has trouble with, you know, he's had some trouble with injuries and he's had some trouble with like, you know, big physical number one cornerbacks. But I mean, he can separate from man coverage and that's really a, a winning skill, I think, in the NFL. And that's a quarter, that's a skill that elevates uh, the production of a quarterback. And I think that when Jameis, you know, is able to see Amari get open, he's going to feel a lot more confident pulling that trigger. That and LASIK, baby. Happened to Dak. I mean, I think that Amari Cooper is maybe the most underrated receiver in the league. Ooh. I like that. I, I've already built a far superior Bears team to what they have currently. Very proud of myself. Timo and the Steelers are up. You have Brady, by the way, on the Steelers. Yeah, I'm, which is I'm incredible. sitting here with Tom Brady, and yeah, he obviously needs a receiver. And Tom Brady wants to get rid of the ball fast. 
fast. So we need to see where it gets open very fast. And so that's why I'm picking a guy who's really, um, really uh, good in his get-offs. I'm, I'm picking Devonta Adams, who's finally pairing up with an elite quarterback. <laughs> I, I had to say it. I, I had to say that. Sorry. <laughs> had to. I'm getting so much Jimmy G hate on Twitter, and I love it. Oh, it's fantastic. You know who's really winning MVP this year is Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, man, I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah. I think I think he's got good odds, you know, as we, we talked to, and Kevin and Timo wrote about yeah. it, I think, a couple weeks ago. Oh, were you, have you guys been talking about it? Jimmy Garoppolo as, uh, as an MVP long shot? Well, because they're probably the, – the San Francisco's probability of, like, of checking all the boxes you need to have your yeah. quarterback win MVP is pretty is relatively high. What I think is interesting about Jimmy is the you just brought up a great point, Evan, which was Dak Prescott with Amari, different QB. Jimmy G with Emmanuel Sanders was the same way, and they played a much tougher schedule down the stretch. And and it was, you know, so to me that was really impressive. What I'm interested by though is whether that's him just getting comfortable. And like, you know, he's coming back from an ACL. He hadn't run Shanahan's system a whole lot. Or whether that was really Emmanuel Sanders setting that offense, you know, taking it to the next level because he could separate. He could get separation. So I, I, am, I am worried, honestly, about what that Niners offense looks like without an ace wide receiver. Maybe Ayuk is that guy. But that, that would be my concern. Well, just wait till you see George Kittle healthy in, in 2020. Scoring fifteen TDs and um, I mean, you know, no DeForest Buckner, uh, Richard Sherman's a year older. That number two cornerback situation was a problem all last year. Um, you know, the fourth down stops that they got last year were ridiculous. Um, their ability to stop people on fourth down and essentially just, you know, that's a turnover. It doesn't go in the books as a turnover, but that's a turnover. Um, you know, I, Jimmy Garoppolo is efficient. This is only his second full year under Kyle Shanahan. Yep. 21 and five in his career as a starter. I know that, you know, you guys don't care about that, but I mean, he, man, he, I think he's going to be highly, highly efficient. And I think that George Kittle is going to have a monster year. Well, and, and people rag on his average depth of target, but he, it wasn't like he was a check down machine, actually. Like our, our buddy Sam Monson wrote a great article about this. It wasn't as if he was checking the ball down. He was just throwing to guys that were wide open that were then gaining like eight yards after the catch. That's just executing a great system well. I think if he's asked to go to the intermediate level a little bit more, there's no reason to believe he couldn't do it. He was very accurate there. So, um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm obviously on the bandwagon. Anyways, I'll shut up now. All right, uh, me here. Um, this is kind of playing out a little too much like a fantasy football draft here. So despite the fact that I'd love to pair a uh, receiver with, with Jared Goff here, um, I'm going to go on the defensive side of the ball, and I'm going to go against the core tenet of uh, pass rush versus coverage and go with the pass rush here. And the guy that I'm going with, it's, you know, it's between Nick Bosa and Miles Garrett for me, and I'm going to go Miles Garrett uh, – only because I feel like he's the type of player where if he finally has a season where he puts everything together, um, stays healthy, doesn't hit anyone with a helmet, um, you know, shows what he can really do on a, on a dominant defense, on a team that's winning also. I feel like pass rushers get a lot of credit for teams when they're winning, despite the fact that they may not have that much of, a, of an impact on it as a quarterback. 
if all those things can happen, I think he's someone whose stock could be seen as, you know, best player in the NFL. He definitely has defensive player of the year within his range of outcomes. And he's a unique talent there. So uh, he's a guy I'm going with. Uh, I think that that's a good pick. Uh, I, I was actually between him and Chase Young. Chase Young's a little bit more unknown, whereas, um, you know, we know Miles Garrett uh, a little bit better. Although we know some of the things we know about him are not great, like the helmet thing. But um, one thing I was just finished writing an article for 538 about, what the kind of, I was trying to trying to weigh the difference between um, pressure, the value of pressure on a drive-by-drive basis versus a sack. And uh, we know EPA, everyone knows EPA, but a lot of people don't quite, they can't kind of put it, wrap their arms around it, can't put it into context. So I was kind of saying, how often does, does, a, does a drive result in a, in a punt or other outcomes when a sack occurs or when pressure occurs? And obviously pressure comes in all sorts of different flavors. Um, but Miles Garrett is one of those guys who, who, who delivers a lot of pressure on a consistent basis. And he has over his career in things like pass, pass rush win rate and those kind of things. Um, and that typically does turn into sacks. But what's so interesting about these edge rushers and these interior linemen who can rush is that if they don't convert on those sack opportunities in a particular year, which is high variance, they really aren't adding too terribly much value. Um, and that's, a, that's, that's the big, that's the big problem with, with double dipping like I did at the turn on these edge rushers, because if they, if they just happen to not get those sacks, if they're not averaging the sack a game, um, they really aren't making a huge impact on your team, unfortunately. Interesting. That's my TED talk. I like it. Good point. Uh, next up. So I'm the Falcons. I started with Tua at quarterback. I'm going to pair him with Steph Diggs at age 26. Um, we want to give, we want to put uh, Tua in the best possible uh, situation to succeed. Um, we we want to give him a receiver that you know, sort of combines the strengths of Henry Ruggs and Jerry Root, uh, Jerry Judy. Uh, Stefan Diggs was number two in the NFL in yards per route run this past season. He's been a high touchdown scorer, even you know despite uh, having uh, smaller size. I think he's one of the best route runners in the NFL one of the best uh, deep ball go-getters in the NFL. And, um, you know, again, want to put Tua in position to succeed. Like that. That's a, that's a good pick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pair Drew Brees with a guy who's, I think, equally as boomer bust at this point, um, which is Keenan Allen, who's also a receiver that I think pairs with him well. Drew Brees is boomer bust because of his age, Keenan Allen because of his injury history. But Allen's literally never graded poorly for us and – is an underneath player that I think could really mesh well with uh, an older quarterback like Breeze. Thought you were going to pair him with like a uh, six hundred pack of protein bars or something. Got excited about that. That's a that's a match. Waste, waste wraps and I, uh, and pills. So yeah. Here's a here, when you were saying that I was thinking about this. If Keenan Allen were wide receiver one on the Saints, you know how how would we feel about him? Because I don't think he's as durable as as Michael Thomas certainly. But like, do you don't do you think? My thought is that that he has that he would have similar statistics, at least rate statistics, to Michael Thomas, if not better. Yep. Yeah. No, he's I think so. Like I mean, three especially sixteen game seasons. By the way, he's played like three straight sixteen game seasons. I yeah, mean, he has three straight seasons with over almost over twelve hundred yards. He does have the three years prior to that where he was injured. Yeah, um, he, his injuries were fluky. It was like a he broke his collarbone, like laying out for something. You know. Yep. Well, in, the, in 2016, he, like, ate Marcus Peters' lunch on opening day, and oh, I got hurt. God. You know, it was just the worst. But 
It looked like he was going to catch 18 balls in that game. I mean, I think it was, it, it he had like nine catches against him in the first half or something like that. But yeah, no, I agree with you that his skill set is very similar to Michael Thomas. All right. Hermsmeyer up. Yeah. So this is a, this is a tough one. I think, I think there's a lot to be said for uh, Allen Robinson. I think that, uh, you know, he's been in a couple bad places in his career. Um, and I think, you know, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins could use a guy who can high point the ball, big body guy, um, you know, not particularly a deep hit, but that's not Kirk Cousins game anyway. He's more of a rhythm guy. You've got to be on time. And, and Allen Robinson does have a reputation as being a, a precise route runner. But I think they would, they would be like peas and carrots. Um, I'm not particularly passionate about this pick, but I think it's a, it's a smart one to pair Cousins with Allen Robinson. I can sense the lack of passion there, to be honest. Cousins, Cousins would be Robinson's best quarterback by a country mile in his career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that's a good pick, I think. But not no, as good of no a leader as No love for Hackenberg? No love for Hackenberg? Or, or uh, Matt McGloin? Uh, man, Matt McGloin might be the best one he's had. McGloin was only – the only thing McGloin was good at was XFL quotes. All righty. So, Jimmy G, I'm looking to put – uh, a Super Bowl contender together here in Indianapolis. And um, I, so I considered offensive tackle here, but it's interesting. I, I'm going to leverage the control your own pressure rate and Jimmy G's ability to get rid of the ball quickly. And so I'm not going to overspend on offensive tackle here because I think we can control that a bit. Um, defensive back, I, I actually really liked um, Tredavious White. I would have taken Jalen Ramsey here. Obviously, he went way earlier. Um, or, or Derwin James. So I'm going to go uh, with wide receiver, and I'm going to take a guy that, again, I'm just going to harp on this, I believe will be a good enough route runner to continually get open, and Jimmy G is an accurate thrower of the football. So I'm going to go with Scary Terry McLaurin, uh, and I think this is, a, this is a match made in heaven, in my opinion. Um, I think it's probably not the sexiest one. People will yell at me about it, but I think this duo would be incredible. So in this draft, Terry McLaurin was just taken as a top 10 receiver in the NFL over the last five years or over the next uh, forthcoming five years, right? Where, where was, he? was he? Is he the wide receiver six? Yeah, he was not drafted very high. No, he was drafted very high. No, in this no draft, he was taken he was. in the third round last year. Right, right. But yeah. that's quite a, a leap. No, I'm not saying that it's not deserved. I mean, Terry McLaurin was special as a rookie. Were there there were questions coming out from Ohio State about whether he was a product mm-hmm. of that offense, right? Mm-hmm. And no, ultimately, actually he, he just wasn't that productive. I mean, he just wasn't that productive. I don't think there were like questions. They just didn't use that role. They used. I mean, is that um, is that a question the, about like uh, you the saw... Paris Campbell slash um, right. whatever role? Those guys were getting were getting all the targets. We saw that with um, McCole Hardman in Georgia too, where maybe you play mm-hmm. on one of these top teams and your target share isn't that high. You know, Henry Ruggs, even, you think about that. But, like, is there maybe a, a, a an amendment we have to make to that? If you play on one of these, you know, super teams and you, you're not that productive, maybe you go back and look a little bit further and see what, what the underlying fundamentals are. I, I still feel a little bad for not taking Juju because I really like Juju, but I had to go. Would have been a great fit with Garoppolo, too. I mean, I know. for me, like, if you're looking at Garoppolo, you're looking at you want dudes who can run after catch. Right, and that's what Kyle Shanahan is doing. But at the same time, like McCorn is, 
Timo, Stafford. Yeah, I'm thinking receiver here, but let, let me take a gamble um, that the receiver I'm targeting here will still be available later. Uh, so I'm, I'm going back to defense and I'm going with uh, Marlon Humphrey, who is basically two devils wide, but, but just better. That's <laughs> 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 a great fake laugh by Evan. That was an incredible uh, laugh. Uh, all right, I'm just going to make this. I don't know. I mean, you guys, like, I realize we want to be contrarian here, but I guess, I mean, I'm checking here. Like, no one, no one, no one else took Nick Bosa. So I guess I'll just take the guy who would probably go um, after quarterbacks. Like, if we're ignoring quarterbacks, this guy would be like top five pick, I would can assume. You, can you pair Baker Mayfield and Nick Bosa on the same team? Is this allowed? Hey, other side, both sides, <laughs> different sides of the ball. Um, uh, a coming together, a coming together here. So yeah, so I'm just going to go both. I think it's a it's a slam dunk sort of pick that you can really. And I'll look for receivers later rather than taking guys who are okay as rookies, but we don't even know what they're going to be going on. We can be a lot more confident. Someone like Nick Bosa is going to be the player who we saw as a rookie than hmm. uh, you know AJ Brown or Terry McLaurin or one of these guys is going to take that second second step as a as a second year player. That, that's interesting because I. I... I mean, I love Nick Bosa. My question would be, did he benefit from having such a complete defense around him? In other words, great coverage on the back end, a lot of other great players on the defensive line. Um, and you're going to have to, at some point, pay this guy dramatically, you know, a, a, just an enormous contract. I think that's something that I'm considering too, which is like I, edge, edge defenders, in my opinion, are just overpaid dramatically so I, I don't know those was, are the two things i would think about was bosa even the best lineman defensive lineman on the 49ers last year i mean i think there's there's room for debate there um i don't know armstead had a good season yeah i mean again like we we have our prior on him right as being a outstanding college player so i think that builds into giving us more confidence about what we saw him do and he was a rookie right um so even even edge players who are fairly productive when they first get into the league can continue to to get better. So for for those reasons, I'm I mean I'm pretty I'm pretty confident um, of who he's of who's going to end up being. And I just feel like at this point, when you get a guy that young um, at that premium of a position, who you know nothing says you can't trade these guys later. Also, so oh, you're already um, trading him. Okay. Thanks for the uh, D Ford love, Josh. <laughs> Takes him in the second round. Talks about trading them, you know. That's that's confidence right they were, there. Uh, justifying the Jimmy Graham's, oh, we can cut him after one year. Right. Like, <laughs> it's a great it's a start of the relationship. Right? I'm talking about more like rather than paying them, rather than paying them eventually. Sure. Okay. <laughs> um, so I think I'm up, right? Yep. Browns and Carson Wentz. Yeah. So, you know, if Carson Wentz thought that Zach Ertz was big, Wait till he gets a hold of Mark, MF, and Andrews. Ooh. The field, who his wow. route run over the first two seasons of his career has just been absolutely insane. I think it's the most yards per route run of any player in the NFL, regardless of position. He can't block a lick, but who cares? You know, the Ravens are so smart about using him. I think he played like 41% of their snaps last year. He's only going to play on passing downs. 
you know, we understand that we're going to have to backfill offensive linemen. We'll, maybe we'll take some older guys that we can get cheap later. But we're going to stick uh, Mark Andrews in the same offense as Carson Wentz, and we're just going to smash all the haters. I think you nailed it, though, that, that, that the Ravens used him perfectly. Um, so hard for me to disentangle the player from – the scheme and, and the surrounding talent that that is you're, you're a better man than me. If you can do it. This to uh, me, this, this to me was the most, I think the most surprising pick, honestly, I don't know how you guys feel. Well, speaking of better men than me, Aaron Rodgers is going to have to deal with a non wide receiver here again. And that was the only reason I picked him so that I could troll him in round two. Um, let's go with, I'm going to be a little bit of a homer here, um, but I do think that this guy is more than the sum of the parts and on par with some of the greater, you know, great back seven players in the league. I'm going to go with Tyron Matthew. Does age not scare you there? It does, you know, but, but we, you know, he's, well, he entered the league in what, 13. So he's, you know, he's near his thirties. Right. But, I don't know. I, I, an injury history does scare me, but I do think when you're looking at, you know, players on defense, I do think that you need a guy who can elevate all the players around him. And I think Matthew has a, his, you know, a record of yeah. doing that. And, and a guy who can play a lot of different positions. What's that? He's 28. I, I should not call him old. Pretty old. In, in the great words of uh, Timo uh, Risky, wasn't even on my list. Uh, yeah, that's a good yeah. I thought about picking him next or, or early in the third round, but yeah, Eric was faster. Damn it. <laughs> I like, I like, I like, uh, Honey Badger. I think, I think I would go younger though. And, and you know, honestly, I don't, I'm not even certain about this guy's future, but I liked him at the time, end of the first round when the Browns took him. Uh, Jabril Peppers, I think, is, is a good guy. To, to, to put on a team with uh, with Joe Burrow, a young team, and a, a team that might last the five years that I that I'm uh, controlling these Cardinals. Um, so uh, he he is going to be my pick here at uh, what what pick are we at? Fifty seven. Fifty seven. The fifty seventh overall. Wait, did, did Dave Gettleman take over <laughs> take over your selection here? This is now that is I would say bold. Um, that's bold. That is fortune. Bold. Fortune favors the bold. So, is that a real quote? I don't know. Yeah, I don't George just made it up, but then he's he's fortune used it a lot, so it, it still counts. We'll go with that. Uh, <laughs> you when you get the tattoo, Evan, let me know. Just get a little, you know, a little TM there. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, the Panthers took Dak Prescott, which seems like seven years ago at number seven. Uh, Derek Brown, shockingly, still on the board for them at the turn at 58. Uh, but I'm going to resist temptation here. So, you know, we've seen – the interesting thing about Dak is, is even though I took him at seven, I think this, like, this second pick is really important. Um, it needs to be a player that is going to going to help elevate his game. Amari is obviously not, not there. I already took him. Uh, but a guy that I mentioned just a little bit ago who I think last year, I think we're way too much prisoners of the, of the moment with Juju. And um, so I'm going to take Juju Smith-Schuster. 
Um, and uh, he's super young. Uh, the dude is really good. I think he's also a really good dude. And that doesn't happen quite often at the wide receiver position. Dak and Juju to me are probably players that will never play together in the NFL, but man, I wish they did. Cause I think they're going to be a really cool combo. Timo. So that's, that's my last pick on the, on the broadcast. Yeah. You get to like, just go take a, a, a pee finally after this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Matt, Matt Ryan, um, he never had a defense. <laughs> Give him a defense for runs. And um, yeah, I, I'm going to shock the world right now and actually take pass rusher. Um, Give me TJ Watt at this Ooh. point. As far as pass rushers last year, the best, like, you know. Yeah. You, you can make an argument he was the best, so yeah, that's that, a good that's, pick. And he's young, so that's where I'm taking yeah. him. That's interesting. Joe, I mean, Joey Bosa is still there. Von Miller, Cleo Mack. I mean, he, he, Matt Ryan was sitting on the bench for like four years now and had to watch Rick Beasley watching the passer. And <laughs> give, give him a good pass watcher runs in his career. Yep, it's good. All right, I'm going to wrap out uh, my picks here with um, someone who I think may be slightly higher rated um, at the safety position than Jabril Peppers <laughs> on some boards, and that's Jamal Adams. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I have to know this Jabril Peppers. Like, I seriously, this is – do you have some inside info, Josh, that you can let us know? Josh, Josh is sitting on a magnum opus article that is coming out on 538 like, in like two months. I really have to like so anyway. Josh has the tracking data for when he was off the field in uh, Greg Williams the transverse, defense, none of us have transverse that. fracture is overrated. Okay so what I'll say about Jamal Adams is remember he was he went uh what was it fifth overall where it could have been could have been Mahomes or Watson or one of those guys so that looks great but if you think about it I don't think people are like, that's such a horrible pick. So for a player of a, of a position like safety to still be viewed in that sort of way, still be worth, I believe, I think he's probably worth a first round pick in a trade with a contract. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like he's really one of, one of the pieces that you can't find anywhere. Um, a guy like that. So I'm going with Jamal Adams. Very nice. Evan, the Giants. Very Giants nice. fans have been waiting with bated breath here. Yes. And the Giants started off with Deshaun Watson. So, um, made it a very difficult decision. I'm looking at defensive players and trying to, you know, talk myself into some of these guys. Joey Bosa is very, very tempting. DeForest Buckner, Chris Jones, Khalil Mack. I mean, there are some ballers still left on defense. Uh, kind of overlooking interior offensive linemen. I think that some of the left tackles that are still available are very, very tempting. But <clears throat> and even some of the young tight ends. But I think I'm going to give uh, Deshaun Watson, DK Metcalf. Uh, at age 22, uh, Deshaun Watson does something that is, you know, very, very special in his ability to sort of create time for himself. And sometimes it, it results in like 17-yard sacks. But, man, he can make big plays. And who can cover DK Metcalf for more than two and a half seconds? I mean, this dude is – lightning fast um he's you know very very physical he stayed healthy in his first season I think he got better every every single game 
and, and I think that the Seahawks coaching staff would even agree because if you see like the, the, the you know, the, um, the progress of his route tree over the course of his rookie season, which, you know, at Ole Miss, you only ran routes on the left side of, of the offense. Um, and he started that way in Seattle, but he continually progressed, uh, I think, game over game. And I think he got better. And it was really remarkable to see his progression. Again, he's only 22 years old. Pairing him with Deshaun Watson, like, LFG, let's fucking go. I like that. I don't. I don't. I, I think I would take his teammate over Ooh. over him. I thought uh, about I thought about going with Lockett, but I think we could get him in the third round. So it's a game theory thing, Herms. Mm. All right. No, I, I I like Metcalf a lot. He, he I mean, if if I was going to go receiver here after the five thousand receivers that have been drafted so far, um, uh, he he would have been my guy. I was hoping he'd make it back around to the next one, but didn't happen. I mean, he is like, he really does look like Josh Gordon or someone like that. I'm not even like, I know that comp was out there a lot, but I mean, he's a stud. If he can get some volume this year, I think some interesting things can happen. Evan has an appreciation for chiseled physique and that should not be underrated here. Tremendous pick. I'm going to go with who I think is one of, if not the most underrated players in the NFL here for Russell Wilson and the Lions at 62. I'm going to go with Robert Woods. Oh, you're going to say Jarvis Landry? I was so excited. Robert Woods is Robert Woods is quietly one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Um, doesn't drop the football. Uh, had you know has played with quarterbacks who I don't think are very good and has still been productive. Uh, and I think he'd be a great pick here. All right. Well, then uh, since Tyler Lockett was not chosen. I'm going to screw up Evan's game theory here. Well, and, hang on uh, here. Can, you want to, can I trade up? <laughs> <laughs> Lamar Jackson and Tyler Lockett seemed like a, a really nice match. You know, I wouldn't even be averse to taking Marquise Brown and just putting, putting the actual two back together uh, on, on my team. But uh, Tyler Lockett, I think, adds a little bit more in the way of uh, route running versatility. So we'll go ahead and go with that. So I am very tempted to put Marquise Hollywood Brown on the same field as, uh, as Patrick Mahomes. Um, the tough thing with Mahomes for me is that I just want to put up 100 points a game with him. But like I also think I can probably get away with not having invested as much in the receiving core and maybe investing a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and, and there are some really good defenders out there. Um, so uh, this is, this is really tricky for me. Um, I am going to go with, uh, the final pick on this, this live broadcast. We're going to continue drafting. You can follow along on the Google sheet. If you have been already, if you haven't, the link is in the, um, the YouTube description and we'll draft the full four rounds, um, in this draft. So in the second round, pick 64 with Patrick Mahomes, Already on the squad, I am going to go with Eddie Jackson, uh, defensive back. Uh, we're going to hit some deep shots regardless of who our receivers are, and we just need to be able to stop a few, and we'll win every game. So that's how I'm going to close it out. I mean, Eddie Jackson would probably catch 800 yards with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to play him on both sides of the ball. Uh, so that's my, that's it. We managed to only be like 35 minutes over. Uh, I thought we could do this an hour and a half. We probably could have, 
But uh, this was fun, guys. Uh, thanks for joining. Um, any final words, anybody? Uh, we want, we need, we, 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 we await your draft grades, which I'm sure will be, <laughs> will be stellar. Um, yeah. As long as, as well, long we as should Herbs, do, as long should, as Herbs comes in last, then I'm okay. <laughs> we should grade on, we should grade Twitter comments on this draft oh, God. for the next PFF forecast, George. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. I mean, I need to collect them all regardless. I like um, that uh, uh, PFF Moo uh, predicted that uh, Eddie Jackson would actually have more receiving yards with Patrick Mahomes than Sammy Watkins ever has. <laughs> well, that's, that's Super that's Bowl no champion wide receiver and Lizard King <laughs> Sammy Watkins to you, man. That's incredible. Uh, I, might take, I might take Marquise Brown right here at the turn. I'm, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to take a P because, honestly, I have needed to P for the entirety of the second round. And so – um, thanks, thanks guys for tuning in. Thank you all for coming. This was a lot of fun. Um, appreciate it all. Of course, Josh Hermsmeyer, 538, Evan Silva, establishedrun.com, Timo, Kevin, Eric, at pff.com. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you guys later. Peace out. Bye.